week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. God. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your mighty name. Well, glory, glory. I pray you were blessed today. I pray you can say you're blessed just to be in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way today in this place, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just... Hallelujah. Move today. Be glorified today. Be exalted in what we do today. Receive the glory and the honor, Lord, in everything. In every praise, God, in every prayer, in every song. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Mm. Mighty, mighty, mighty. God's good. Hallelujah. So good, so awesome. Praise the name of the Lord. I know uh, some folks are out today ill and whatnot, but I'm so glad you're here and he's here. Hallelujah. You ought to be able to celebrate today. He's here. He's in the midst. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song way back in the day. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Good stuff. Good stuff. I said he's here today. And so we just need to give God thanks and praise today that we are able to be in his midst today. Amen. Just not that we're in his house, but that he is in, in the midst of us, hallelujah, that he, 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 he sits upon your praise, that he, he comes and take us, takes up residence when you and I begin to lift up his name through worship, hallelujah, and so he inhabits his, the praises of his people, that's why it's so important, it's not, uh, it's not I, I know we, some places may not put a lot of emphasis on worship, but if you need God to show up, you need to put some emphasis on worship. I, I know it might not be popular. I know you might only have 13 minutes for worship in some places, but that's why God don't show up. You, you, he inhabits the praises of his people. 
And so we have to understand that we have to create an atmosphere for him to come sit in, for him to come worship in, amen, for him to come and manifest himself up in. And so that's why we worship the Lord. That's why we take some time to sing and understand that he inhabits the praises of his people. Hallelujah. So I'm just thankful today that he's inhabiting the praises of his people. I'm thankful that he's filling and, and, and seated up in your midst. I, I mean, if you could if you could see today, maybe he's just seated right beside of you. Hallelujah. Just imagine today. Hallelujah. That's how awesome it is that, that he sits upon our worship. He sits upon our praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it awesome? Thank you, Lord, for being in our midst today. Thank you, Lord, for making yourself known today in this place. Glory, glory, glory. Praise the name of Jesus. Don't you all go quiet now. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mighty, mighty Lord. I almost almost ripped into a a song. Uh, like the only one I really do anymore. I almost ripped into the anchor holds um, to remind somebody today that he holds, that you're steadfast in the storm, that, that, you're, that you might feel like you're taking on water or sinking today, but uh, the anchor has you, hallelujah. And so hold on. Hold on. You're not going under because God's not going under. Hallelujah. I said, God's not going under. He's not sinking. He's not taking on water. So you're not going anywhere either. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord, today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get ready and go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Ooh, Lord. Matthew chapter 13. Let's see. We're going to begin in verse 36. You might not be ready for what's coming your way. I'm just telling you. I've done some preaching over the years on the kingdom of God. And in the midst of doing some teaching on the kingdom of God, I've done some teaching on wheat and tare. Some of you that have been in it, you might remember some of it. This is not that. I'm using some of that text, but today this is the word that the Lord has given me that we are in a war between two worlds. A war between two worlds. Mm. Hallelujah. What's interesting about the text that I hope I can get through in such a way that you can understand by the end of it that that God is getting ready to do some greater things in your life. Uh-huh. 
I said, God is getting ready to do some greater things in your life. And he uses this text to help us to understand the times that we are in, but the greater things that are yet to come. And so what's, what's unique about this text is it's a rare opportunity where we really get to see Jesus exegete a text. That's why it's so powerful. And so I want to use this today to be able to help you and to bless you. And those of you who have ever sat in any of the Bible college classes or discipleship that I've done, you understand what I'm trying to say, that to allow and be able to read a text that Jesus himself is uh, exegeting the text is powerful. So I want you to pick up with me in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 36. If you have it, say amen. Mm, Jesus. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. Sometimes you just got to step away from people. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. <laughs> and those who practice lawlessness... And will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mm. Now some of you might be saying, huh? I could have read a little bit more of, of text and taking you from one gospel to another, but I choose this for a very specific reason, and we'll look at it through this morning that I think is powerful. The, the text that we just read really has nothing to do with the subject I gave you, a war between two worlds. Sometimes I like to just mess with you a little bit. But really, when, when I, what I'm saying is, is the text has nothing to do with the subject I gave you. What I, the, 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 the text we just read, and I want you to have understanding, is the text that we just read, it's, it's a text about an agriculture example, and it's regarding a principle of the kingdom, sowing and reaping. Relax, I'm not going to talk about your money. That's not what we're here to discuss today, but I'm using this today to help you. There's nothing in with the text that we just read about a war necessarily. But Jesus enters and introduces to you and I a thought that's really important. Jesus introduces this. The, he says in the text, the kingdom of heaven is likened. It's likened. He's saying, he's saying the kingdom of heaven, he, he, it's, it's almost like a metaphor, all right? It, it, it's a metaphor he's speaking of. He's using something that they can understand to understand something that they cannot understand. Does that make sense to you? 
So he's using something, a, a principle that they understand, sowing and reaping. He, he, he's understanding that he's, he's talking to a group of people who are agricultural. They, they know what it is to plant seed, to grow a harvest, and to reap a harvest. And so he's trying to speak to them in terms that they can understand, all right? And so they, they bear with me. I'm going to lay this foundation, and I promise it's going to get real good, all right? Say amen. So Jesus, he understood, he knew that they understood the value of a good crop. He knew that they understood the value of a good crop, that if they didn't grow a good crop, they couldn't trade. It was, it was economics for them at this time. In order to trade and buy anything, they had to be able to have good crops to be able to, to barter and to be able to trade with and to buy other things that they might want. Hallelujah. So that's why he is speaking to them in the terms that they are speaking in today. He, he, they understood that if you, if you didn't maintain a cycle of sowing and reaping, that not only did you not have a harvest, but it would affect everything else in your house. So Jesus is talking to them in a manner that they would understand. Did you hear me? That if they didn't, he, he's teaching them and helping them to understand that if they didn't get sowing and reaping, that it would affect everything else in their house, not just harvest. Oh, hallelujah. I could spend some time there, but I won't today. Because that's not my assignment. This is not a message on, uh, on tithing. This is not a message on giving. That's not what this is about. We want to go somewhere further and deeper to get to the real message of what Jesus was speaking. Because it's a word for you and I today. See, oftentimes when we mention about harvest in church, we can break out and shouting. Amen. We all like to, to know that we are in harvest time. We are in the season of harvest now. Amen. But, but, but we need to understand something about harvesting. Understand that, that reaping is hard work. Reaping a harvest is hard work. But, but sowing and reaping is really hard work. See, see we don't, people don't often talk about how difficult and how much hard work it is to actually even sow. But it's equally as hard to reap as it is to sow. Just for a moment, bear with me, even though that's not our assignment today. It is hard to be obedient to give unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. See, I knew you wouldn't like that, so that's why that's not our assignment today. It's hard to be, uh, live in a manner of sowing and reaping, all right, because it ends up being work and work. We've sort of made harvest in the church sound like play. We, we sort of have the mentality that when harvest time comes, we don't have to do anything. That God just opens the windows of heaven and is going to pour you out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. But Jesus is teaching here some really important principles for you and I. I hope, so stay with me, all right? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't realize that the, that, that the blessing is as much work as the sowing is. And so if, just, 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 just hang on. So if you and I don't understand that, then what's going to happen is God, God will send you a blessing and, and you don't have the work ethic to receive it. And let me put it another way. Sometimes God blesses you and you don't even recognize the blessing because it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. 
Some people will say, Pastor, I, I don't understand why I'm not blessed like so-and-so. I go to church, I give, I pray, I believe. The problem usually is, is that you, you, what you thought it would look like when it shows up doesn't look like what you had imagined, amen? And, and so we often don't realize how blessed we are. We often don't realize how, how awesome God really is moving in our life because we had some dream, some, some vision that it was going to look a certain kind of way, and then when, when God is moving in your life, but it doesn't look like what you thought, now suddenly we have the idea that we're not as blessed as we thought. So th th that's what I'm trying to help you to understand. When, when God begins to bless you, we, 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 when you see the first bud of the harvest, we, we often need to just go running. Because the Bible says that God will pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive, all right? In other words, God will pour you and I out opportunity that you don't have the character enough to receive, Oh, hallelujah. That's why I mentioned a moment ago, people say, God isn't blessing me. No, he's blessing you. You missed the blessing because you didn't go running to catch the blessing. Because we're waiting on it to look like what we thought it would look like instead of having an ear to hear and be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying. Amen. And so the moment we begin to see the bud of harvest, uh, the harvest just beginning to ripen, we've got to be able to go running to receive all that God has for us. Hold on. It's about to get good in here. Hallelujah. So look over at somebody and say, neighbor, wake up. It's about to get good. Hallelujah. Better late than never, Lois. Hallelujah. <laughs> this system that Jesus is teaching them with, he, when he's using the analogy of, of sowing and reaping and, and, and harvesting, this system is what sustained their society. In other words, Jesus was trying to help them to understand that the strength of the crop controlled the net worth of the holder. Oh, my God. I said the strength of the crop controlled the net worth of the holder. In other words, if the crop wasn't good, then the net worth of the holder was diminished. So to simplify it for those of us that need me to break it down, the text is talking about value. Value. So Jesus says in the text that a man sowed good seed in his field. And he sent, to, he sent men to tend the field after he sowed it. But the Bible says that while men slept, the enemy came and planted tear among the wheat. Weeds. Weeds among the wheat. Weeds that are not going to bring forth harvest. But notice it's, the Bible says, while men slept. Let me put it another way. While the church slept, the enemy came and planted tear, weeds, things to devalue the harvest among the wheat. See, now you're going to start understanding what I'm trying to tell you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so if you don't understand this, if you don't understand what I'm trying to lay a good foundation for, you're going to miss why the enemy came. I'm going to help you to understand today why the enemy shows up in your life. 
Why, while out of nowhere, you get hit in the face. And sometimes we're asking questions. I don't know why this has to happen. Or when I'm working so hard, when I'm trying to do so much good, why is the enemy always coming after me? You're going to get a great revelation today. He didn't come just for you. Hallelujah. He's coming to attack the harvest. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but Lord have mercy. I need you to understand this, to understand why the enemy came. The, the, the man... All right, the man knows the integrity of the seed he planted. The Bible says he sowed good seed. And the seed, it's so good that the enemy knew he had to do something to head it off or he would increase the value of the kingdom. So that's why the Bible says while men slept, the enemy came to plant tear among the wheat. Are you still with me? The tear or the weeds planted among the wheat tells you the limitations of the enemy. Oh, see, that's better than you, you're, you're getting in your heart right now. I said the tear planted among the wheat tells you the limitations of the enemy. The devil has limits. I said the devil has limits. While we serve a God with no limits, I'm going to have to help you out today and be my own cheerleader. While we serve a God who has no limits, we're talking about this morning, this text, Jesus is letting us know that the enemy who attacks you and I, he has limits. There are some things he just cannot do. And there are some things God is allowing in your life to help, oh, Lord, I don't want to get too far ahead of my, but God there is, does allow certain things in your life to prove a point to the enemy. Some people will say, I don't know, understand why God allows this to happen. Because if God didn't allow it to happen, the enemy would think that what he was doing would work. Right? He, he, he would begin to think that it would work. I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So, so I said the tear or the weeds planted among the wheat tells you the limitations of the enemy. Say there are limits. The devil has limits. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. So, so he couldn't destroy the integrity of the wheat. All he could do was plant tear around the wheat. Oh, God, I, I hope some of you will start to get a hold of this. He couldn't stop the wheat from being wheat. Let me break it down. Some of you need some help today. In other words, the enemy can't stop you from being what God has placed on the inside of you. So all he can do is put around you weeds or tear people that are like that to try to disrupt what is in you from, from manifesting and maturing, hallelujah, into what God has called you to be. Are you starting to understand what I'm saying? That the purpose of the tear or the weeds is to deplete and diminish the harvest. Oh, are you with me now? Mom's nodding her head. She's with me. Hallelujah. 
See, we often wonder, haven't you ever wondered why certain people ever come into your life and out of nowhere, while they look like help, you find out maybe weeks, months, years later, they were really weeds. And then you realized all they ever did was take from you and hurt you and harm you. Hallelujah. And at first, maybe you thought God had sent them, but no, they looked like a flower only to find out they were really a weed that never bloomed anything into harvest. Are you hearing me? That was sent by the enemy to devour and to deplete your harvest, hallelujah, to to hinder you from ever becoming who God called you to be. Is that starting to make sense to you now? This word is designed for you and I to help try to really understand what is going on in the world today. We think the world has lost its mind. We look around and we see all the chaos. It It is this parable that Jesus was teaching, and we'll get to it, but I'm here to tell you this parable is just as much about you stepping into who God has called you to be as it is also a parable and, and describing end times. There are signs of end times right here in this text. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so it helps you and I to know Jesus is saying for you and I to pay attention, basically, in this text. Do not get distracted by by who's for you and who's against you, by what the enemy does. Jesus is saying to these men, he's saying, I want you to understand the enemy will come, but the devil has limits. He will come to try to stop you from being who I created you to be, but the devil has limits. And if you can understand why he came, then you can stop freaking out when he comes. Hallelujah. I was in a few situations this week. I mean, all week. I think the first one started Tuesday. I was in Pittsburgh. And so I wasn't local when things started breaking loose. And the only thing I knew was this scripture that we just read, where there are times where we just need to do nothing. See, you and I need to understand that when, when we are under attack, a lot of times we want to say something or do something, defend ourselves in some manner. But see, you need to remember something of what the principle we're just teaching, that the enemy has limits. He comes to devalue you. And sometimes we end up devaluing ourselves by even responding to what the enemy is doing. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So that's why I said the enemy has limits because he cannot stop the wheat from being wheat. What this text is about, what is under scrutiny here is the integrity of the seed. That's why the Bible says in Romans, but he who began a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Christ. What is under scrutiny in the text is the integrity of the seed. See, in other words, we're not supposed to count on the, on the weather. In other words, Jesus is saying don't count on the weather, don't count on the soil, don't, don't count on the environment, but, but you are counting on the integrity of the seed. In other words, if it is wheat when it went in the ground, it will be wheat in the harvest. Hallelujah. Some of you are with me. Some of you might get it later. It's okay. It's kind of going to be one of those messages. The coming of the enemy into the story is not to fight the wheat.
I'm preaching a little different today because this is a word I needed to get to you today. We are living in crazy times, and the church needs to remember who they are. The church needs to wake up and come out of our sleep and remember that we are called here to be able to serve God, worship God, live for God, and get woke up out of our sleep. And so this message is designed to be able to begin and continue to do that. So it's a little different than maybe a uh, and some of the ways that I preach. But but I want you to hang on and pay attention. If you're a note taker, take a note and maybe you'll get it later. Listen to it again if you have to this week on the podcast. Whatever you got to do. But I promise you this message will help you. It's going to help you in your life if you'll let it get in you. Hallelujah. So I'm going to say what I just said again. The coming of the enemy into this text, into this story, is not to fight the wheat. In other words, so many times we think the enemy is showing up just to attack us. He does not show up in the text to fight the wheat because he is powerless to fight the wheat. Oh, God. See, I'm surprised somebody didn't shout right there. I said because he is powerless to fight the wheat. He wants to plant tear among the wheat. Remember, I, that's why I'm trying to give this to you in little steps. That's why I said that the enemy has limits. There is only so much the enemy can even do to you because you're covered, because you're protected. Amen. Are you not covered by the blood of Jesus? And so if you are covered by the blood, this is where we often miss it in the church. If you and I are covered by the blood of Jesus, then you understand Satan, the blood is against you. And so if he can't do it to God, then why do you think he can do it to you? Are you starting to see what I'm saying? See, the church, we have given way too much power to the enemy and our screwed up theology with puppet preachers who don't know the word of God anymore. And they sort of teach us to run scared from the devil. You need to know who you are and whose you are to know that the enemy can't do anything to you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the, the enemy roams to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. But if you are God's, hallelujah, if you are bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, there's only so much he can huff and he can puff, but he cannot blow your house down. See, some of you got that. See, as everyone thinks it's easy to be a preacher. Sometimes you've got to really break it down and go back to some story we all remember. He can be the big bad wolf. He can puff and he can puff, but he cannot blow your house down. Hallelujah. Sometimes you and I can feel the oppression and the presence of the enemy at work. Hallelujah. But, but you got to remember he has limits. Oh, I know I'm about to be fixing to be, be a target this week after this message. I done already made the devil mad. I'm giving you his blueprint. People, people get frustrated with me sometimes because I don't always lose my mind and I don't always look frustrated and I don't always fall over and wail and cry when bad things happen. It's because I understand and I have the blueprint of the enemy. God gave us the blueprints of the enemy. It's all through Scripture. We, we, nobody just ever took the time to really teach you and I who we are enough to where we can really step into what God has called you and I. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the enemy comes into the story, and he comes into the story, and he comes not to fight you because he is powerless to fight the wheat. He wants to plant 
tear among the wheat. He wants to put things in the midst of your life that will starve out the creativity and, 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 and all those things that God has placed on the inside of you, the, the, the direction of your life, your destiny. He wants to plant tares or weeds among your wheat. And so matter, no, no matter what he does to the wheat, no matter what the devil does to the wheat, the wheat will always be wheat. Oh, God Almighty, I could get myself in trouble, but I, I better just stick with what God told me. That's why everything in the world that we are trying to change who we are, you will always be what God created you. I'll just leave it there. Hallelujah. The wheat will always be wheat. Hallelujah. The only thing the enemy could do was plant imposters. The only thing he could do was plant imposters among the wheat because he could not destroy the integrity of the wheat. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So you and I need to understand because the enemy cannot destroy you, remember, he has limits. That's why we even misunderstand John 10 and 10 that says that the enemy comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. Yes, he comes to destroy, but because he can't destroy you, all he really can do to you is devalue you. Oh. See, I'm probably going to need a couple of weeks to get you through this to back everything I'm telling you with Scripture and other Scripture and other Scripture because I know some of you are going to say, oh, but wait a minute. The Bible says over here. I'll always have some. I'll always have it to back up. Watch, watch this. The only thing the enemy could do was plant imposters, fakes. Things that look, haven't you ever had a, a flower garden or something like that and you look and you can't tell sometimes what is a weed and what is a flower because at certain stages they all look the same? And so if you let it go long enough, the weeds will overtake your little garden and then you'll, you won't realize till late summer that, oh, that's just a weed. It's not a flower because it never bloomed, amen. But all it really did was take the nutrients and the nourishment away from what really was supposed to be there and, and stole from, from, from what would bloom and what would bring a harvest. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? And so that's why the enemy comes to try to starve you from what God is trying to bring out in you, to try to look and, and bring imposters into your life, to devalue you and to diminish you and to stop you from stepping into all that God has called you to be and do. Hallelujah. That's why we got to be a people of discernment. I'll say it again. We've got to be a people of discernment to be able to discern one from the other, to know if someone is a weed, to know if they are an imposter, to, to be able to know in your greatest time of need why some people just show up at that time. Are they a weed or are they really part of the harvest? Hallelujah. We need to have discernment. So he'll come to plant imposters. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are getting excited, and I can, I can just see it on your face. You're just excited because you're starting to, it's clicking. You're starting to get it. That's why some of you are able to shout and say hallelujah and clap your hands and say amen. Amen. Maybe some of you that can't, maybe you're tear. Whoa, amen. Ouch, preacher. Yeah, maybe you feel like that, that the, the anointing God gave you was just to, you know, 
the, the chairman of pastoral discouragement, pointing out everything that's wrong with everyone and everywhere. Hallelujah. See, we got to be real careful what spirit we often operate with that we're not operating and becoming a tear ourselves. We need to make sure we're operating un, in the midst of the spirit of God. Hallelujah. See, I'm saying that, see, some of us can shout and get excited, and this word excites me because this word confirms the Bible when it declares that no weapon formed against you should be able to prosper. Why? Why do I, why, why, why can I pull that scripture in? Because you're his, and you're his in his hand, and you're his in the ground. Are you hearing me? You're, you're his when it's hot and you're his when it's cold. You're, 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 you're his surrounded by all kinds of terror. You're still his. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. In other words, I'm still wheat. There can be terror all around you and I, but we're still wheat. If I'm sick, I'm still wheat. See, this is where you and I need to remember who we are. When an enemy comes, he comes to devalue you and to discourage you. And so if we get kind of some kind of sickness, you start identifying yourself as your sickness. But the devil is a liar. You are still wheat. Stop identifying yourself. You have cancer. You have diabetes. No, you don't. You're still wheat. That, that's where we go wrong. If you were wheat before you got it, you're wheat when you still have it. Are you hearing me? Because the devil has limits. The only reason you are fighting that is he is he is you are fighting that because he is trying to devalue you what is in you. And if you'll receive that, that I'm sick with this and that take that on as your new identity, he's just devalued you. Isn't that good? My God, my God. But our society tries to tell us that you go to the doctor, you have high blood pressure, yeah. You have cancer, yeah. You have this, yeah. And we answer yes to all these questions instead of realizing that it is not that I have it, I am fighting it because I was wheat before I got it. I'm wheat still. I might be, I might be sick wheat, but I'm still wheat. I might be broke wheat, but I'm still wheat. Amen. Hey, I might be bankrupt wheat, but I'm still wheat. That's the word of the Lord for you and I today. Mm, hallelujah. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are getting it. Hallelujah. See, no matter what, the devil cannot change that I am wheat. What we are witnessing in the text, because if I'm not careful, I'll never get through it. What we are witnessing in, in the text is the integrity of God's seed. The integrity of God's seed. To be born again is to be the begotten, begotten by the word of God. So we're talking about the integrity of God's seed. The word of God possesses and holds the DNA of who he is. Ooh, Jesus. Just like my children hold my DNA. Guess what? If my kids are smart, they're my smart kids. If my kids aren't so smart, they're still my not-so-smart kids, right? If, if my kids are rich, they're still my kids, even though they're rich. If they're poor, they're still my kids if they're poor, amen? When they're silly, they're still my silly kids, right? If they're sick, they're my sick kids because they can never not be my children. They might want to disown me from time to time, but they can never not be my children. They can get mad, but they'll be my mad children, 
put anything around them you want, but they'll still be my children. I hope you're starting to get a picture of that the enemy can do whatever he wants to you, but you are still his child. You are still his. That no matter what the enemy does to you, you are still his. In this text, he's using the analogy, the metaphor of wheat. And so you are still wheat no matter what he does to you. You can be broke, but you are still broke wheat. You can be sick, but you are still sick wheat. You are still his. Are you starting to hear what I'm trying to tell you? So then it brings me to this question. Oh, hallelujah. If the enemy cannot remove my wheat status, why did he come? I'm saying it like that because of the text. Jesus talking about wheat. If the enemy cannot change and adjust my DNA of who God has called me to be, if he cannot change my wheat status, then why did the enemy come? I kind of gave away the answer already once. I was getting ahead of myself. The enemy comes with the purpose of devaluing the harvest. Hang on, it gets better. Because the tear comes to devalue the harvest. Look at the things that have been planted in your life to devalue your life. Think about the things and maybe even the people that have come to devalue your harvest. I said it there a few moments ago, the tear will rob the soil of the nutrients that could have fueled the wheat to be wheatier. Wheatier, I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm, I'm trying to get my point across. Wheatier. Trolls online will be like, that's not even a word. Listen, what I'm, the, the tear will rob the soil of the nutrients that could have fueled the wheat to be weedier, to be mightier, to be richer, to be fuller, to be stronger. In other words, it will extract from the ground what was meant for the wheat. So the enemy comes to extract from the ground what was meant for you. Because he can't touch you. He can't get to you. We established that already. So he'll take from you what was meant for you that, that's around you, that, that's a part of what you were planted in to get to you, to devalue you, to slow up your progress. Why do you think some of you are still struggling in the same areas that you have been for so long? The enemy came and showed up and you didn't catch him and he came and started devaluing the soil around you, started devaluing your harvest, starting to take from you what was meant for you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How do I know that? Where, where, where am I getting this from? Because the Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came to plant tear among the wheat. Now watch this. While men slept, notice what happens. While men slept, the enemy came to plant tear among the wheat. Notice he's not attacking the wheat. He's attacking the owner. Give you a minute. I said, notice he's not attacking the wheat. He's attacking the owner. 
Mm. Hallelujah. I'll help you. I'll help you. Because watch this. He's not attacking the wheat because the wheat has nothing to gain by being wheat. The owner has something to gain from the wheat being what it is. So the enemy is not the enemy of the wheat. He is the enemy of the owner. I'll say it again. So the enemy is not the enemy of the wheat, or the enemy is not the enemy of you. He is the enemy of the owner. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, this is where I'll start making the title and start making sense. So the wheat is caught in a war between the enemy and the owner. This is why you and I need to understand the battle is not yours. You are just caught in a battle between the enemy and the owner. This is why there are many times you need to do nothing when things start spiraling out of control. You need to say nothing sometimes when people are running their mouth. This is why you need to do nothing when people do what they do. Hallelujah. Because the enemy will try to get you to devalue yourself by engaging in something that doesn't even involve you. He just wants you to believe that it does. I hope it makes sense more here in a moment. So this is why the battle is not yours. See, we, we often stand ready in, in the body of Christ. We are ready with our fists put together, and we are often ready to fight. Anytime the enemy does anything or does anything wrong, say and we'll say things like, the devil is attacking me. I'm going to help you out today. The devil is not attacking you. He is using you and your life to attack God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. He can't get to you. But he can get to God by devaluing you. That's why I said, let me try to help some of you. I can see some of you struggling. That's why I said earlier this was a, a sort of a metaphor Jesus is giving them to help them to understand. The reason I say that is that's why Jesus gave the analogy of, of planting seed and receiving the harvest. That if anything disrupts the growth of that seed for the wheat becoming wheat, it will minimize the harvest. In essence, then it will minimize the harvest and affect the owner of that wheat. So when the enemy is attacking, he is trying to attack God. But in order to get to God, he'll devalue you. And if you let the enemy devalue you, it's an attack against God, not an attack against you. Because regardless of what happens, you are still wheat. It's just your value could be adjusted by how much you let the enemy do and how much you allow him to affect you. All right? Are you hearing me? If you misinterpret this as, as a battle that you're supposed to fight. So he is not attacking you. He's using you and your life to attack God. So in other words, it's not our victory because it's not our fight. It is his victory and his fight. Oh, my God. Some of you need to get a hold of this. I said it is not your victory because it is not your fight. Therefore, it is his victory and it is his fight. 
That's why there are some things, even earlier when we sang that old hymn, Victory in Jesus. I know some of y'all don't like that old stuff, but we sing it. You, you don't, you, we don't celebrate it because we didn't get it. Victory in Jesus, that you and I have the victory because of th- 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 this was his fight. You're, you're not getting the victory because you fought. You're getting the victory because he fought. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He fought. Oh, my God. He went to the cross. He fought. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The whole purpose of this text today, this this message today, is so that your eyes can be opened up to what God had in mind when he planted you. I want this message to begin to open your eyes to what God had in mind when he planted you. Because watch this, nobody plants a crop without intention. You plant to harvest the crop. If you planted a garden this year, you did it with intention. You didn't plant tomatoes and expect cucumbers. You don't plant one thing to expect another. All right. Everyone who plants, God, when he planted you, planted with intention. I said he planted with intention. That's the same thing you and I do. When you plant your flowers, you plant your garden, whatever it is you do, you plant with intention, expecting it to become. If you put petunias in the ground, amen, to grow, as they grow, you expect them to continue to be petunias. You don't expect them to evolve into a maple tree. Any more than if you plant pumpkins, you expect them to produce watermelons. You plant with intention. When God created, this is what I want you to get. When God created you, he created you with intention. What he designed for you to be is in you. What the enemy has been doing doing has been working to devalue you and hinder you from ever stepping into what God intended you to be. Y'all a tough crowd today. You and I should start getting getting a picture of why some of the things have happened that they've come to happen. It's been to hold you up and to hinder you from ever really stepping into what has God has anointed and called you to be and anointed and called you to do. Hallelujah. God had an intention when he created you. See, a weed, it just grows, but but a field is planted with intention. That's why weeds can just grow anywhere. I got weeds growing in my driveway. Six inches of rock and those darn things will still grow. That's why weeds can grow up in the middle of asphalt. They can just grow anywhere. Weeds will grow out of a a, a cement concrete wall. They just need a little bit of tiny seed to get in there. And they'll just grow. They can grow anywhere. But see, see, anything that is to bring forth a harvest is required to be planted with intention. That's what I'm trying to tell you. God had intention when he created you. This is what you need to get. Until you understand that what God has to gain from you, then you won't understand the fight. 
let me say it again, until you understand what God has to gain from you. I know that's hard for some of you all to wrap your mind around that God has something to gain from you, but he didn't plant you without intention. And if he planted you with an intention, then God, the kingdom of God, has something to gain from you. And until you understand that God has something to gain from you, you will misinterpret the fight, and you will always have your fist up ready to fight your battles, missing the fact that God has something to gain from you. Let God deal with it. Oh, my, 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 my. You, you, we can't fight. In other words, this is Jesus' way of saying, just sit down. Put your fists away. You were wheat when I planted you. You were wheat in the ground. And even though the tear grows up all around you, you are still wheat. You cannot cannot take out this tear. You are still wheat. Hallelujah. You and I have to know who we are. Hallelujah. So we can understand that God has a plan for our life, and, and, and he has a plan to gain something from you and I. So let me let me lay it down this way. It's not that it's about you. I know our society, I know social media, I know the world we live in. We like to think that everything is about us, but newsflash, breaking news, it is not about you. It is not about you. Instead, it is about what God put in you that the enemy doesn't want to see reach its full potential. So it is not about me. It is about what God puts in me that he, that the enemy does not want to reach its full potential. That's why the enemy comes, to stop what is in you from growing to its fullest potential. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So that's why in Genesis, clear back in Genesis, after God had planted Adam into the Garden of Eden, after he created Adam, what he, he planted him. And he surrounded him with goodness. As soon as God surrounded Adam with goodness, the enemy came. The enemy came because of what God had planted in the earth. So we should have known clear back from the beginning that whenever you see the enemy, you know there's value. Uh Uh-huh. So whenever you see the enemy, you should know that there is value. So if the enemy, it keeps coming and keeps coming. See, that's why some of you, you're losing sleep, you're not eating, you're losing your mind, and you're trying to understand why the enemy keeps hitting. It's because you need to understand there is value. The enemy will not, the terror isn't going to come into the presence of something if it possesses no value. Oh, amen, hallelujah. See, if I was down there, I'd probably be on my feet shouting and stomping and doing one of those Holy Ghost jigs by now. This is going to help you not understand why what's happening is happening to you. Why it feels like it's one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. Jesus was trying to forewarn these men, hey, trouble is about to come. I'm not always going to be with you, but another's going to come in place of me. And so I'm trying to prepare you for trouble. 
so that you don't misinterpret and think more highly of yourself than you ought and, re- and you start thinking that this attack is about you. It's not about you. It's about what I, God, have put in you. And so when you see that attack, you need to recognize it, that it possesses value, that what is in you is valuable. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, that's why you don't see no, no, no robber ever robbing some, some closed bank. I mean, how many times do you see some thief hitting up some bag lady? She has no value in her, in her shopping cart. So most smart robbers ain't going to rob the poor old lady pushing a shopping cart. But they will rob the jewelry store on the corner that has all kinds of shiny stuff in it and they know it's got a safe inside. Are you hearing me? Because the, it, people always come, the enemy always comes to steal your value. So whenever you see the enemy, you'll know there's value. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's value. So the very fact the enemy has attacked you the way he has, is because he's trying to rob you from what's valuable. Because you have value. So the greater the attack, the greater the value. So you and I are caught up in a war between two worlds. There's, a, there's several examples I could give you, but one I'll remind you of is, is for those of you that take notes, Job chapter 1, verse 6. Job was caught up in a war between two worlds. And so Satan said to the Lord, after the Lord had, had said to Satan, from where do you come? And the Satan said to, to God, I, I go to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth. There was a discussion taking place between two worlds. And so after some discussion that takes place, because I, I, I don't have the time to go into it, but there, after the discussion takes place, God says to Satan, he says, have you considered my, have you considered my servant Job? God said, I'll remove the hedge from around him, but not from around his soul. And so Job and his life, Job is affected by the war between two worlds. Satan said to God, don't you recognize that Job only praises you? He only serves you? when things are going good and God says oh no that's not true let me show you so God says let me show you he said I'll take the hedge from around Job just not from his soul so God removed from the hedge from around him and suddenly chaos began to break out in Job's life chaos broke out everywhere and the, the, the crops of, in, uh, on Job's farm died and people lied on him and he lost his health and he lost his wife He lost his influence. But something about Job that he never lost was his integrity. See, you've lost a lot of stuff, but hold on to your integrity. Don't let anybody have your integrity. Don't let anybody have your values. Who you are and what God created you to be. Don't let anybody take that. In other words, as long as you and I hold on to our weediness, 
Yeah, I said it again. As long as you and I hold on to our weediness, when the storm is over, you will rise again and you will still be wheat. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Because I possess value. The enemy wants to devalue you by the environment he puts you in with the terror he put around you. Watch this, watch this. I said, the enemy wants to devalue you by the environment he puts you in with the terror he put around you. But you do have value. In other words, let me put it this way. You do matter. You do matter. I know in society, I know some people that don't like you. I know some, some, some people would want you to believe you don't matter. Some of you were always told you were such a screw up and such a mess up that you'll never be anything. But this is God and his word. This is Jesus telling his boys, you do matter. Whatever comes, whatever it is that you fight, whatever it is that you are up against, you do matter. And wherever you go, you walk with value. Whatever situation you find yourself in, you do matter. Your life matters. Oh my God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So it is because of your value in your soul that you have been attacked in your flesh. It is because of the value in your soul that you have been attacked in your finances. It is because of the value in your soul that you you have been attacked in your life. It is because of the value in your soul that you have been attacked in all the ways that you have. Oh, my God, my God, my God. We're living in a war between two worlds. And all you have to do when you are caught in a war between two worlds having done all stand therefore why do I say that because see I cannot control the wind I cannot control the rain outside I can't control the lightning or even the snow that's in the forecast this some of you make the mistake in thinking that if you engage in the fight control the outcome I can go outside with my umbrella but isn't going to stop it from raining it might just keep me from getting wet but it's not going to stop the storm this is where you have to recognize something because you possess so much value why some of you and you're, you get mad at your spouse because they don't say nothing you're egging them on and by you egging them on you're trying to get them to devalue themselves hmm. why do I say that because you're trying to get them to work at your level tear and if I can push your buttons long enough You'll blow up in a manner that you won't look like wheat. You'll blow up in it. Are you starting to see what I'm seeing? 
you'll start reacting in a manner that doesn't look like what God created. And then those, those people who did it, just to get you to explode, will point out, well, that's not very Christ-like. That's why when you find yourself in a fight, the only thing you need to do is having done all, stand, stand therefore, because I cannot control the wind. This is why when I started, mm -hmm, when some things took place this week and people try to bring up my name and connect dots that did not exist, everything in me wanted to erupt and make a statement and, and defend myself and while I sat in the middle of that hospital, waiting to, waiting and waiting and waiting, I mean, my flesh was ready to just explode. But then the voice of the Lord said, having done all, stand. And I thought, but God, he said, this is not your fight. Your wheat just be wheat. Just be wheat. Do not devalue yourself by engaging with tear. I'm nice. I call them tear. Do not devalue yourself by engaging with tear. Because, oh, Adam, you can't control the wind. Adam, you can't control the storm. All I need you to do is be weak. All I need you to do is stay planted and, and rooted and, and pull the nutrients from where I've planted you to grow into what I've called you to be. So, 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 so don't worry about the elements. Don't worry about the environment. Don't, don't worry about what's going on around you. Just, just, just be weak. So the text says, are you still with me? So the text says, when the enemy planted tear among the wheat... When the men arose from sleep, they saw tear growing among the wheat together. See, most people think when you come into harvest season, you don't have any problems. But that's right there is why they don't recognize harvest, because harvest doesn't look like what you had imagined. Someone said to me the other week when I was talking to him, they said, Pastor, every time that you preach, every time I hear you, you speak, it makes me determined to be successful. It makes you, me, you, me determined to be successful when I hear you preach, when, when you teach something, it makes me determined to come up out of where I am and to reach for something more. And I said, that, that, that's all, that's great, that's wonderful. But I said, when you are successful, you won't even know it. I said, because it won't look like what you had imagined. Because by the time the wheat comes up, the tear comes up with it. So it won't look like what you thought. So let me, let me put it this way. You won't recognize your season because of your situation. Which causes you not to maximize your season because you're distracted by your situation. Your situation has controlled your responses and your reactions that you're about to miss your season. Worried about your situation. 
See, we have the, uh, the, the thought that, well, if we wake up and the, and the wheat and the tear are coming up together, we ought to do something. Shouldn't we pull it out? Shouldn't we fight the tear? Shouldn't we do it? We have the mentality in the church, well, let's go attack the tear. But the problem with pulling the tear is you pull up the wheat. And if you disrupt the tear, you also disrupt the wheat. Let me simplify it. If you fix what's broken, you're going to mess up what's working. Because what's broken is working for you. I said what's broken is working for you. That's why the Bible says all things work together for good. Amen, amen, amen. All things, it's working for your good. Hallelujah. See, you and I are not nearly threatened by the tear as you are trying to fix yourself. I said, you and I are not nearly threatened by the tear as you are trying to fix it yourself. Every time you try to fix your situation, yourself, you make it worse. So God said to the men in the text, if we keep reading, God says in the Bible, he says, leave it alone. Leave it alone. People aren't able to sleep. People aren't able to eat. People are worrying about what they need to do and what we should do to fix our problems. Come on, I'm, I know I'm talking to somebody in this place right now. You, you get all consumed thinking about what it is you can do next, how you can come out on top, how you can finally have victory, how you can finally force a victory. And, and you're trying to figure out what it is you need to fix to try to fix whatever it is that's wrong. And people watch you online and people make comments, Pastor, give me a word today. I need a word from God today. Here's your word. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. If your it is a them, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Recognize them as tear and keep being wheat. Woo, Jesus. They might try to provoke you. They might try to get a rise out of you. Leave them alone. Do nothing. Say nothing. Don't even roll your eyes. Don't even act like them being tear is doing anything to you. Are you starting to hear what I'm saying? Leave it alone. You know how much energy we expend from ourselves, how much spirituality we pour out, how much strength we get depleted in ourselves by fighting battles that God never intended you to fight, by trying to argue with people. God says, would you just leave them alone? They are tear. They will always be tear. They're, they're not going to come out of being anything else other than tear. Or I hope you're hearing what I'm trying to say. Stop expending your energy and your value on what is weeds and that will always be weeds. My God, my God. God, somebody needs to begin to see they have you have bigger value than that. I matter more than that. I matter more than that. They can say whatever they're going to say, but I'm still wheat. Hallelujah. In other words, I, I can feel victory in this place right now. I feel victory in this place today. In other words, the enemy that you see today, you will see no more. Hallelujah. I, I believe what I'm preaching to you right now. We're going to close in a couple minutes. Listen, I believe what I'm preaching to you right now, it, it will relieve you of the, of the responsibility of fixing everything. 
That's how I knew this was the right word today. Some of you need to be relieved of the responsibility of fixing everything. In other words, you need to be relieved of the responsibility of trying to bless yourself. When you try to put your hands on everything, you are trying to bless yourself. But the Bible says that the prodigal son could not bless himself. The Bible says that when he comes to himself, when he came to his mind, last week's message, when he had a change of mind, a change of direction, he had to go to the one, to the Father, who would be affected by him allowing himself to be devalued in the hog pen. In other words, he had to go to his father to be blessed. By you trying to intervene in your own life and fix the things that you are never intended to fix, we can't fix the weather. So why are you trying to fix what you cannot control? You are trying to bless yourself. So therefore, you and I are trying to do what God and only God can do. God says, all I need you to do, Adam, is be wheat. If it snows, be wheat. If it gets windy, just keep being wheat. When the rain comes, just be wheat. My God, my God, my God. Just be wheat. So I'll close. Because I'm running out of time. The reason that God said leave it alone. This is one of the hardest things for some of us to receive in this place. The reason Jesus was teaching in the text, the reason that the Word of God says right here, leave it alone. Don't do anything with the tear. The reason God said leave it alone is because it doesn't matter. Now, this is big. Because the only one making a big deal about it is you. This is why God says, leave it alone. God has so much confidence in what he planned. God has so much confidence in what he planted. That's why he said, leave it alone. In other words, God is saying to you today, Adam, I created you and I have so much confidence in what I put in you. I don't need you to fight what's coming against you. He's saying to you, ladies and men in this place, that God is saying, I have so much confidence in the seed that I put in you that I don't need you to do anything to stand up against the, the, the things that are coming against you. I just need you to be you. 
I don't need you to try to fight this battle. I only need you to be wheat. Because when God planted the wheat, watch this, God considered the enemy. God has got enough that when God planted the wheat, when, when, when he planted you, he considered the enemy. God knew what the enemy was going to do when he planted the wheat. He knew what the enemy was going to do to you. And he planted you anyway. So then it makes me ask this final question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Haven't you ever found yourself saying, God, this I don't understand. Why do bad things happen to good people? God, I'm a good person. There's more to the answer, but I'll give you the simple part. How else is God going to show the enemy that his weapons didn't work? If God stopped the enemy, when he throws his weapon, the enemy would think that his weapon would work. But when he throws the weapon at you and you still bring forth fruit, that's what God wants the enemy to see. So in other words, God wants the enemy to be able to see. I know that some of us in this room, I said to somebody this week, I'm just battle fatigued. Tired. I'm weary. Some of you might be losing sleep. Some of you might just be wondering when you're going to get a break and you might be feeling those things. But this is what I want you to know. What God wants the enemy to see through you and through what you're going through is that what the enemy threw at you, what weapon was used against you, it did not work. That you are still producing fruit that although he tried to diminish and devalue you, you are still wheat, that you will rise again. I hope you're hearing what I'm trying to tell you today, that that you will still be wheat when it's all said and done, that yes, you and I can get diagnosed with something ugly and something nasty, but God wants the enemy to be able to see you are still wheat and that you will rise again. Don't you give in to that diagnosis. Don't you give in to, to difficult financial hardship times. Amen. Don't you give into what people say about you know that you are created in God's likeness and his image oh my God my God that is why the enemy can't do anything more to you he's trying to attack God by attacking you because he cannot get to you he just tries to devalue you by putting himself in close proximity to deplete you of the things that you need to stay strong. And so that leaves us in a war between two worlds. A war between two worlds. There's part of this text I don't have time to get to that talks about the end times. Talks about when they begin to gather the bundles you see so much division around the world that, that scripture is talking about when people start gathering together in their cliques gathering together in their cliques about the things that they agree with 
stand against the things that they disagree about everybody else. Now more than ever, we see people around the globe doing that. We are in a war between two worlds. But I'll leave you with this. While the men slept, the enemy planted terror among the wheat. Church, we have to be careful that we're not caught sleeping while we should be awake and aware of what the enemy is doing. Even if there's terror in your field, leave it alone. Leave it alone. But from this point forward, God's saying, wake up. Wake up, because it's while you sleep the enemy plants these things. In other words, while we spiritually become numb, quit paying attention. Stand to your feet. Let's just stop right there. Give a quick order call. Two part. First and foremost, one, maybe you are in a war between two worlds. You've not fully surrendered. Meaning you can't say, I am weak. I am weak. Or, or, or maybe you're able to. Maybe you can just say, I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm not right. I know I'm not right with where I need to be with God. Don't wait. Don't wait for another moment. Don't wait on someone else to move out of their seat. If you say, I know I'm not right with where I need to be with God, come, 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 come. Join me, stand with me in front of this church. Hallelujah. Say, I, I, I know I'm not right. I've gotten away from where I know I need to be. I'm going to come stand. The second part of this altar call is going to be for those of us that say, I'm in a war between two worlds. And maybe you're just tired, like me. And maybe you just need God to breathe upon you to help you just remember to be wheat. To just remember to do nothing, to leave it alone. Part of that auto call was you knowing, for those of you that didn't really understand that the value you possess, if that's you and this word spoke to you, come. Don't wait, because this is you making a declaration. Devil, I have value. You are not going to trigger me. You are not going to get me to respond to terror. You are not going to get me to shoot my mouth off to terror. That does not matter. You are not going to make me lose my weediness to weeds so as you come I just want you to start praying right where you are we're going we're gonna to pray with these couple that said I know I'm not where I need to be I need to be right with God we're going to deal with that the rest of you just keep praying
just keep praying and if you and if you're okay back where you are and, and you're all good and you say I know I'm saved I know I'm right with God and, and preacher this message was good but it wasn't for me then you can stretch your hand forward but I'm gonna give you like 30 seconds literally if you were ministered to through this word then I encourage you to move out because by you moving out this is you making a proclamation to the devil I am wheat hear me roar I am wheat you will not devalue what God created me to be. Listen to me. You want to know why some people date the same sort of people over and over and over? Somebody asked me that in counseling. They said, I don't know why I keep going for losers all the time. Why do I keep doing this? I said, because you never understood your value. I said, but once I help you understand your value and your worth, and what God has in you, it will change who you keep looking for. But I said, you keep looking for someone that confirms the belief about how worthless and devalued you really are. That's why you keep dating the same kind of men. That's why you keep hanging out with some kind of loser all the time. But are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? What is in you, what God put in you, God believed in the integrity of the seed he put in you, no matter what storm you've been through. Now what God needs you to do is just believe That you were wheat when he planted you. And you were wheat standing in the front of this place right now. You were wheat. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now for those of you that are in the front that you moved out. You said I know I'm not right with God. I know I'm not where I need to be. You're going to pray this prayer with me. We're going to pray it out loud and real loud together. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. God's about to make you weedier. <laughs> He's about to make you weedier. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I have failed, but I need you. I come to you today. I've done wrong. I've fallen away, but I give my life to you. Make me weedier. Forgive me again. Wash me clean. Forgive me of my sins. I am yours and you are mine. I receive you as my Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now stay right where you are. I want to pray for every one of you that moved out. And if you can, if you're able, put your hand on someone's shoulder, someone that's near you. You don't have to join hands. Just, just make contact.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we're in a war between two worlds. And God, sometimes we stepped out of being what you've called us to be. We've tried to fight battles that we were never intended to fight. And Lord, we've gotten battle fatigued and Lord, we become weary and maybe we've even gotten tired. But Father, I pray today over the people in the front of this place this morning that God, that you would strengthen them and that Lord, you would empower them. Father, that you would help to make them weedier. That Lord, we would have the confidence in, in you, our creator, that Lord, you we were weed when you created us and that Lord, we're still weak today. God, I pray that the people in the front of this church would get revelation today of the value that they hold. The Lord just told me to tell somebody, start being more aware of where you go and who you put yourself around. You are more valuable than the places you are going. You are more valuable than the people you are allowing to encamp around you. God is not in the bargain business. God does not want to put some, 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 some thing of great value in the dollar tree, baby. You, you are not a $1.25 bargain. So stop treating your life like you are the dollar store. What is in you is more valuable than Dollar General. What is in you is more valuable. It's more valuable. So Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We are not a buck 25 harvest. We are not a buck 25, but I possess value. I possess value that influences the kingdom of God. Hear that right there. You in the front of this place have enough value that you influence and you impact the kingdom of God. weapon of mass destruction. You are walking wealth. It is in you. So Father, I pray right now that you would strengthen the people in the front of this church that, Lord, you would empower them. That although, that, Lord, we are in a war between two worlds, that, Lord, we will know when, when the attack comes, Lord, when the enemy comes, we will recognize value. When the attack comes, when the enemy comes, when people come, we'll leave it alone. And we'll just keep being wheat. So now, Father, I pray that you would breathe over this place. Holy Ghost, breathe. Breathe over this place. 
strengthen and empower your church strengthen and empower your people i may be in a war between two worlds but i know whose i am i know that i am weak i know that i possess value i know that I, what, what is in me is stronger than what's going on around me and so therefore god we will be ever aware of where we go and who we hang around Because I am weak and I am in a war between two worlds. And if I allow the enemy to devalue me, that's how he can devalue you. So, Father, breathe right now. In these final moments, breathe. Touch them with your glory and your power and your presence. He shed it at a bosoriatalabas. Touch them with your glory. Listen to me, this is what the Lord just reminded me of, and I, I wouldn't say it if he didn't just speak into my ear. Listen to me. You keep receiving as I say it. This is for somebody in this place. This, this is your moment, your day to get free. The, the Lord said, the Lord said that when, when you have bitterness and anger and, and unforgiveness, you're giving your power to your situation. Watch this. He said, because you wouldn't, God wants you to understand, some of you, you wouldn't be angry if you didn't think that the situation had taken something from you. The reason that some of you are so angry is because you believe what happened took something from you. But some of you need to start thanking God for how you got here rather than what you lost. Because to be angry and to worry about it is to give power to it and your actions your actions are the only thing that is making the enemy have power that goes back to why when, when you, that goes back to when I said earlier why to 
bad things happen to good people? Or we'll ask the question, why did why, God, why did you let that happen? And the reason, listen to me, listen to me. The reason that God let some of the things happen to you, I know, I know it was bad. I know it was terrible. Listen to me. I, I know how bad it hurt in the moment, but watch this, watch this, watch this. This is what's going to help some of you get free. The reason that you live through it and can tell about it. The reason you're here standing right now, and, and, you, and maybe you shouldn't have been, and maybe there were times you thought you'd never be here in this day, in this moment. But the reason that God let it happen is because God knew it wouldn't. God knew in the end it wouldn't matter. God knew in the end it wouldn't change you from being wheat. And God needed the devil to see. See, devil, even though I let that happen to Nancy, she's still wheat. See, devil, even though I took that from Kathy, she's still wheat. See, devil, even though I left her endure all of that that she's been through, she still rises again. See, even though they've lost everything they've lost, they're still mine and I am theirs. Hallelujah. God knew in the end it wouldn't matter. That's why God said earlier in the text, when it comes to the tear, leave it alone. Because in the end, it doesn't matter. In the end, what they say doesn't matter. In the end, hear me, hear me, hear me. It doesn't mean it didn't hurt, but God's saying in the end, it didn't stop you from being wheat. Yet they beat you senseless, but in the end, you are still wheat. Yes, they crushed your heart and ripped it out and fed it back to you, but, but you are still wheat. Are you hearing me? It didn't succeed. No weapon formed against you is able to prosper, and every tongue that rises against you shall be condemned. It doesn't matter. You are in a war between two worlds, but it is not your war. <laughs> a war between two worlds, but this is not your war. Not your war. Let me just pray a blessing upon you. Father, I pray that you would seal everything that I've said, being led and guided only by you. And that, Lord, you would set your people free if they need to be freed. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you would help us to understand our value. And Lord, you would help us to understand that in the end, it doesn't matter. And Father, bless your people. Lord, we're going to leave this place. But God, I thank you that wherever we go and whatever we do, it's going to make us weedier. <laughs> it's going to make us weedier. 
it's going to make us sweetier. Now, Father, bless and strengthen your church. Empower them. As we go throughout this week, let this word ring ring within our ears and let this word come back to our memory to remind us that we possess value, that I'm more valuable than this. And then in the end, it doesn't matter. So we bless you and we thank you. I thank you for your word and I thank you for your revelation to strengthen your church. And I bless you and I thank you. I pray blessings upon your church today. I pray, God, that you would bless their tithes and offerings as they put them in on their way out. God, as they put them in their barrel. God, increase. Bless them. Touch them. Multiply back to them. In the name of Jesus, bring increase into their life. In the name above every other name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Have a beautiful week in Jesus. If you're praying and you need to keep praying, keep going. We love you. God bless you.